Welcome to Highway Christian Community Sermon Downloads. For more sermons, please visit our website. We know you will be blessed as you listen. Take care and God bless. Morning, friends. Wow, what a wonderful morning it is this morning. Mainly because I have the opportunity to share my favorite topic the gospel. <laughs> but before I do, um, I just want to welcome some of my friends here. Don't want to embarrass you guys, but just want to welcome you. There's JP, there's Marlon, there's Angie, and there's Logan. Hi guys, good to have you around. Uh, we're going to have some coffee afterwards. Great. So, um, yeah, I, I've got a really beautiful message this morning, and uh, I, I pray I know, actually, it's going to touch all our hearts afresh. Um, so the first question I have is, why did Jesus tell so many stories and so many parables? Uh, Jesus told stories all the time. Some were long, like the, like the prodigal son. Others were shorter, like the stories of the talents, five talents, two and one. And some were virtually one sentence, like the kingdom of heaven, is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy he went and sold all he had and bought that field. That's Matthew 13, verse 44. For a man to find that treasure in a field, let's be honest, I mean, field, how big is a field? How, big, how long is a piece of string? He would have had to have done some extensive digging. Who knows how big the field was? And, and, and how long and in how many places he dug to find that treasure. But I think that's exactly the point that Jesus is making when he tells stories and, um, you know, leave stuff hanging in the air. He, he, he wants us to do the searching and the digging. And that's why he never bothered to go into the detail of explaining his story to the crowd. He would just leave them hanging out there. And then he would say words like, he has the ears to hear. Let him hear. So, I hope you have the hearing ear this morning. And that's great, because when we dig and find the treasure ourselves, it's always re- relevant to us personally, to who we are, to our culture, to our life situation. And it brings us life, and it gives us a greater conviction, and increases our faith, which leads us to the giver of all life, Jesus Christ. I love authentic Bible gospel stories. And I've chosen a story which I believe is going to help us to dig and find the real treasure this morning. It's about the woman of Bethany who poured the alabaster jar of perfume over Jesus' feet and over his head. And there are two accounts which uh, I've combined this story from. Steve, can you put the first one up? I think let's do the Matthew one. Matthew 26, verse 6 to 13. Like, would you guys read through this with me? While Jesus was in Bethany, in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with, a, with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which he poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price, and the money given to the poor. 
Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She's done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Wow, what an honor for her and a privilege. Uh, okay, can we go to that Luke scripture? Thanks. Uh, this is the other account from Luke. Um, it differs slightly. Same guy, same home, same guests. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who he is touching and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which one of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one which had the bigger debt forgiven. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into this house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And that's the title of my message today. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And that peace is, the English word is just a very simple word, but the, the Hebrew word is a very complicated word. It's a shalom peace. It's a God peace. It's an all-encompassing peace. It's a peace that uh, permeates through your whole being, body, mind, and spirit. It's not just, you know, I feel cool. It's, it's your whole body, it's a completeness. Nothing missing, nothing broken, completely a whole person. So uh, I find that such a beautiful story, and I'm just going to uh, begin you know, by coloring the background in of that story a bit, um, because the background is always integral to understanding and appreciating it more, and enabling us to, to take it and apply it um, in the context of our own lives. So let me just unpack the background a bit, okay? What do we know of the host? 
He was a Pharisee and a teacher of the law, and his name was Simon. He was a leper, or he suffered from some severe skin disorder. He probably lived a sumptuous lifestyle and had many servants and a large home. Why did he invite Jesus to dinner, do you think? I think it was either to entrap him, or maybe he'd heard of, of Jesus' many miracles, and maybe he wanted to believe that Jesus could heal him. What do we know about the area of Bethany where this took place? Well, there were two town, towns called Bethany, one beyond the Jordan, where Bartimaeus uh, and Zacchaeus, uh, Jesus encountered them, and the other one near Jerusalem, where he uh, raises Lazarus from the dead, and he performs many amazing miracles, and actually the town where this event took place. And Jesus often went to, to Lazarus' home and rested there, as we, we know in, in Luke, Luke 10. Um, and we can be sure that Simon knew much about Jesus and about all these miracles that Jesus was doing. Okay, so what do we know about the setting? Okay, it says they reclined. Okay, they almost lying down around on big cushions, like settling in for the evening uh, at a low table in a large room. Uh, men ate on their own, and the ladies would serve them continuously, bringing a range of different Middle Eastern food, one at a time, and clearing the tables. Uh, and there were other guests, and the disciples were also there. Uh, the house was probably a large villa-type home, with many, many servants uh, attending them all. And in this setting, we are told that this sinful woman, prostitute, who had learned that Jesus was there, she came in uninvited into the presence of a Pharisee and of other men who she feared. And she stood behind Jesus at his feet with an alabaster jar of perfume. At this point, we need to just pause and ask a few questions about this woman. The first is, how did she get past all the servants? They, they would have known her. They would not have allowed her in unless Simon, the master, the Pharisee, uh, gave him permission to let her in. The second thing is, why did he let her in? Did he let her in to try and entrap Jesus? Uh, as she was asking for him, maybe he thought, ah, there's some connection here. I'll take this a bit further and see where it leads. Thirdly, it must, have been, it must have taken much courage and boldness for her to come into the setting in front of all these men, some of whom she had probably had previous sexual encounters with. I'm sure they were fearful that she might expose them in front of the others. Are you with me? What drove her to have this encounter with Jesus? I believe that she'd heard Jesus preaching and teaching in the area a number of times. She may have even been present when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. I, feel that, I believe that the gospel, somewhere along the line, had gripped her heart. And in repentance, she had determined to lead a new life. She had the faith to believe that if she could just encounter Jesus, that she would be forgiven 
and made whole. She came out of love and gratitude with an amazing attitude of faith and worship towards Jesus. Then she began weeping. She wet his feet with his tears. Then she wiped them with her hair. She kissed his feet, opened the jar of perfume, and poured it all over his feet. It just brings a scripture to mind how beautiful in the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, to say, who say to Zion, your God reigns. And that's Isaiah 52, verse 7. And this scripture is a prophetic picture of Jesus walking through the mountains, the hills and the valleys of Israel with his disciples, going from city to city, bringing the good news of the gospel to all the towns and cities of Israel. Do you know that there's no bad news in the good news? There's only good news. Amen. But there's no record of her saying a single word, but her actions spoke volumes. More than words could ever have touched Jesus' heart. What she was actually saying to Jesus and to all those present is this. She made a public act of repentance. And I believe that this is what she was saying. Lord, I'm sorry for my past and my sinful way of life. I understand that the wages of sin in my life will lead me to eternal death. But then you came and offered me the gift of life. How amazing is that? I can never repay you or thank you enough for forgiving me of all my sins and for saving me and making me completely whole. But I can pour out my heart to you in worship, just like this alabaster jar, to show you how thankful I am, to show you just how much I love you and just how much I need you in my life, Jesus. Lord, I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. I worship you with my whole heart. I'm not a half-hearted um, encounter. I give you my life and my love. You're my king. Come and reign and rule over my life. Come and live in my heart. Your love to me is better than life. And I know that you will never leave me, that you will never reject me, that you will always be with me, Lord Jesus. And in fact, she was the alabaster jar. And she opened her heart and she poured out the oil and the perfume of extravagant love and worship towards Jesus. And there was absolutely no holding back any longer for her. The actual alabaster jar was just an external symbol of an internal, extravagant, open, loving heart towards Jesus. Yet Simon the Pharisee and even the disciples, they took offense at this amazing scene. How is this possible? They took offense. They were like, what, this could have been spent on the poor and what a waste. Does he know who this woman is? And what was Jesus' Jesus's response? He's able to read Simon's thoughts. Okay, this is, this is if, if I was Simon, I would have been rather fearful at this point. I wonder how he never caught a serious wake-up. I think he must have been a bit dwarf. Because Jesus actually read his thoughts. And Jesus said, Simon, he who's forgiven much, loves much. She knows that she has been forgiven much. 
And that's why she loves me so much. She's honored Jesus and made much of him. Simon has not honored, honored him at all. And Jesus admonishes him. He says, Simon, you know, firstly, you know, you, you know I came to, into this home. You invited me as, as a guest. You did not give me water for my feet, which is the absolute minimum Middle Eastern gesture of hospitality. Minimum, absolute minimum. Simon, you did not greet me with a kiss. The usual Middle Eastern welcome on both cheeks. Simon, you did not put oil on my head for honored guests. Simon obviously never saw Jesus as someone who was worthy of honor. He probably saw Jesus as a troublesome, controversial peasant who was beneath him. You cannot expect anything from Jesus with that attitude. How do we see Jesus? Do we honor him and do we make much of him? She did. And look at what she received from Jesus. Let's just have a look at what she received. The first thing is Jesus comes to her defense and he says, leave her alone. She has done a beautiful thing to me. Matthew 26 verse 10. And then she received these beautiful words from a wonderful savior. He said, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Once again, Ransom, healed, restored, forgiven. There's a whole lot of stuff that happens in that saved and peace. Salvation. But it's entire being, body, mind, and spirit. Nothing missing, nothing broken anymore. Completely whole. And then the next thing Jesus says, he says, wherever this gospel is preached all over the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of me. Wow, what an honor. Why, Jesus, what's so important about her actions that she should deserve this kind of honor? I believe that that day, this woman became a lifelong radical convert and follower of Jesus. It's because of her bravery, her courage, her tenacity, her love, appreciation, thankfulness, and the way that she wholeheartedly and unconditionally surrendered her life to Jesus. That was, that's why she was honored in this way. And thousands of years later, billions of people on this planet have come and they've gone and they've forgotten. Yet she's remembered. But we don't even know her name. But that's not what's important. Because we do know her heart. And we do know Jesus' heart towards her. And that's what Jesus wants us to see today. And that's what Jesus wants us to do, to tell the crushed and the broken in the fallen world around us, in this harsh world around us. Jesus wants us to convey this gospel message. This is what we're doing today. We are fulfilling Jesus' prophetic words. Wherever this gospel will be is preached. It will be told of you and of your beautiful heart towards me and of your bravery and of your courage. And so what I'm doing today is I'm fulfilling um, the prophetic words of Jesus and reminding ourselves of the beauty of this gospel, the good news of the kingdom.
telling others the story of what she did, of her bravery, her courage, and her beautiful heart, and of Jesus' unconditional love, acceptance, and affirmation over her saying, leave her alone. She has done a beautiful thing to me. Leave her alone. She has done a beautiful thing to me. The words of this gospel highlight the fact that this passage of scripture contains the essence of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I can't think of any other Bible story or passage of scripture which brings us the gospel message as powerfully and clearly as this one. When we tell the story of this event, we are preaching the essence of the gospel message and we are revealing the person of grace, Jesus Christ. That Jesus, the Son of God, laid aside his majesty, took on flesh and became one of us so that he could save us. He lived the life for us that we could never live. He died in our place and took all our punishment and curses, our sickness and all our sins upon himself on the cross. He died and went to hell for us so that we would never have to go there. When he died, we died. When he was raised, when he was buried, we were also buried with him. And when he was raised to life, both physically and spiritually, we were also raised up to a new life in him. And right now, we are seated with him in the heavenly realms at God's right hand. This is the essence of the good news of the gospel. If you believe this message wholeheartedly and repent and publicly confess that you believe, then you are saved by the grace of God and God's grace alone. But if you reject this message, then you will not be saved. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Romans 6, verse 23. So what did Simon, that's what she received from Jesus. And... Um, yeah, it's an amazing encounter and life, just life, life, overflowing life. Um, she left there with overflowing life. But what did Simon the Pharisee receive? I don't believe he received anything whatsoever. The Lord of glory came into his home and dined with him at his dinner table. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine what wouldn't we give <laughs> for that blessing? But yet, he never discerned who it was with him because he was prideful, critical, negative, and hard of heart. The master came and went, and he received nothing. Nothing changed, and he died in his sickness and in his sin, and he went to hell. For those of you who have never given your life to Jesus, I pray that this beautiful gospel message has dug and turned up your hearts, revealing the real treasure this morning and bringing you to a place of faith to believe in Jesus, in the finished work of the cross, in his amazing love and his awesome saving power in your life so that you too can be radically saved. If you're a believer, I pray 
that you experience an overwhelming sense of gratitude and thankfulness for your salvation. (laughs) Thankfulness for the precious blood of Jesus, which covers you every single day. Which we, to be honest, I don't think we fully appreciate. But this morning, let us fully appreciate our salvation, our relationship with God. We are the alabaster jars. Will you open up your heart to Jesus and extravagantly pour out the oil and the perfume? It's a beautiful thing to him when you do that. It's a beautiful thing. The same Jesus that reclined at Simon's table, the Lord of glory, he's the same Jesus that presents himself with us right here, right now. How do you perceive him? Would you be left dead in your sins, like Simon the Pharisee? Or will you receive him into your life wholeheartedly today, like this woman, and hear the words, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Shalom, in peace. Completely whole, completely forgiven, ransomed, healed, restored, nothing missing, nothing broken, complete and whole. Amen.